Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's time once again for Catalog and Cocktails. It's your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management presented by Data Art World with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd, product guy, customer guy at Data.World, joined by co-host Juan Cicada. Hey, Juan. Hey, Tim. I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist at Data.World, and we are back. It is 2024. It is season seven, episode 160, 78. I don't know. I lost count now. But it is super excited to be back here, uh, and we're going to kick off this year. Uh, with a fantastic conversation, we're talking, I mean, obviously AI is on everybody's mind. And I think one of the people I've been following the most and just really enjoying all his content and all the events that he's been doing is Jeremiah Aoyang. He's a general partner for Blitzscaling Ventures. Jeremiah, how are you doing? Hey, everybody. So glad to be here. Um, greetings from the tiny Airstream studios in the heart of Silicon Valley. It is raining today, so you might hear a little bit of pitter patter on the aluminum roof. Well, you're in the Bay Area. I am today in LA and Tim is in Austin. So we're all in different parts of the country. So, well, let's just kick it off right now and tell and toast. Uh, what, what are we drinking and what are we toasting for today? Jeremiah, what are you? Uh, me? I'm healthy guy. I'm on a health kick. So I'm drinking um, green tea. And what do you want? What are you toasting for today? What do you want to toast for? Um, let's use technology to fix the problems and woes of the world. Amen to that. I am, well, I'm actually, I was looking for a cocktail, even though it's two o'clock here, uh, but the bar's closed. So I just have, just drinking a lot of water today. So cheers to that. And I'll, I'll, I'll cheers to that, Jeremiah. How about you, Tim? Um, I am in the Austin office of data.world right now. And actually we're in the process of switching offices right now. So we've aggregated all our alcohol together into one cart. And I found something that I really thought looked good. I grabbed the Buna Haben Ankladak here. So I've got a little bit of that going. And I'll, I'll cheers to what you said, Jeremiah. Let's use technology to make a difference. Hey. Um, that's a big deal. Let's make that happen in 2024. Clink. All right. Cheers. Cheers. So we got our warm-up question today. So we're starting off the year 2024. But what are you least excited about in 2024? Well, <laughs> you know, probably the election cycle is going to get nuts and ai will play a role where we will see misinformation created by ai and we will see people use ai to try to clean that up and find the source of information so it's a little bit dreadful but at the same time we'll see new technologies unlock things we've never seen before so get ready for that i know that's going to be huge big changes uh and it's going to everything's going to be at 11. yeah how about you tim um, you know what, for me, um, I'll say that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about my Cleveland Browns actually going into the playoffs. And so what I'm least excited about is the fairy tale ending. I don't know when it's going to end. I hope it doesn't, but, uh, go Browns. They're my, they're my team. <laughs> <laughs> well, my answer is going to be around the whole politics stuff in the election year and like, ugh. anyways, but let's just keep that aside and let's kick it off with our, you guys took today. it the serious way. I was, yeah. I was trying to have fun here. <laughs> No, but we got so much to talk about. All right, uh, Jeremiah, honest, no BS. How is a, how are you seeing AI going to impact us this year? What is what is December twenty twenty four going to look like? So Fast Company asked me to make a prediction, and I wanted to give one that I think is very practical and pragmatic, one that everyone can relate to. Your email inbox. What a disaster. By the way, it seems like most people took, or many people, even in the West US, took two weeks off for the winter holidays. I mean, I saw a lot of people doing that, which is unusual. Europeans are like, yes, but that's what we do every year. But for you, Americans, that's unusual. And now we're coming back to inboxes filled to the brims. I mean, yes, usually they're pretty bad, but it's even worse. And so my prediction is that AI will help us get to inbox zero. Because all the data that it needs is right there. Like you can pre-train on sent mails. How did you filter emails? What did you delete? What did you respond to in which tone? So I'm expecting to see an AI agent emerge <clears throat> that takes the world by storm. Just really takes the world by storm. You funnel all your emails in there. It reads all your other stuff. And it does the following features. First, it reviews everything. Then it filters, summarizes the emails, and then it gives suggested replies. As we train it over time, eventually it's going to suggest email responses. So by this time next year, yeah, inbox zero due to AI. Hmm. It, look, I, 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 we, I think we all want this. But this, this, this kind of brings back the question: is like, 
do we need to have all this communication then? I think that sometimes we just are communicating too much. And I mean, then I, I don't want all the emails zero. I want Slack zeros and all text messages and WhatsApps and all that stuff, right? It's just, <laughs> That's really link, funny, actually. Link, and we'll all find messages. each other on other places. <laughs> well, yeah, it will just go off. And then I'm like, well, I want this also for my summary and LinkedIn, uh, yeah. my LinkedIn feeds. And my Twitter, totally right. like, and then at some point we're like, we get all, we're consuming all this information, all this, everything is coming to us. And then we're like, I want a summary of it. And I want it. And then we're going to generate a bunch of more summaries. And then I want the summary of the summary. And then this is never going to go stop to the nested the summaries. Then I, at the end, just, I just want to kind of disconnect from the technology and just go talk to people and face to face. I mean, so emails come in different types, right? Some of them are updates that you don't need to see. Some of them are spam. Some of them are just coordination. Some are follow-up. And then some are actually important. So we do need AI to at least do the first yeah. ring filter, right? That that's it. So imagine if like, I'm not an executive anymore. Um, I um, but I used to have an EA that would help me with those types of things. I, I don't have that now, but now everybody can with AI. I think that's what we need. And I and I want to just underline that point. Juan, I agree. The point for AI is that we can be human again. Because we're not really humans right now. Look, we're stuck behind screens and the pandemic really screwed us over in many ways. So can we use AI to do all the, the tasks that we don't really want to do so we can have, uh, you know, time to do and connect and make real business and personal lives and social lives and do fitness? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important point that you make there. Because when, when you first said, you know, hey, you know, inbox zero email is going to kind of turn into this thing that's happening automatically. My first inclination was like, wait, that sounds bad. That sounds like something oh, where wow. you know we we're supposed to be doing the work of the communicating, right? But then when you think of it like, no, this is your EA, right? That now is helping you. It's your assistant, and what that means is that now instead of focusing on the emailing, the emailing wasn't the important part. The important part is the now you're having the meeting with the person and you're connecting with them and you're having that conversation, right? That's not the part you're trying to replace. And you're a customer executive, right, Tim? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So customer officer, yep. Th there you go. So the most important thing is the relationship and listening to customers, right? And so if we could just get all the quote paperwork emails out of the way, hey, how are you doing? Schedule all that stuff. And and as you can as you understand, right? I think you guys get it. It's gonna be their email AI agent talking to our AI email agent <laughs> to get all that stuff out of the way. So yeah, that that's the hope and promise. Interesting. And, and that that, uh, that's a t it's a t-shirt we're always talking about t-shirts uh the point of ai is to be human again i love that yeah no i love that uh, one thing that I, I wonder about this idea before we move on to some other of your sort of thoughts and predictions is you know when things start to become more automated i feel like that often spawns new industries and new problems right so now it's like okay automated agents talking to automated agents how do yes. you stand out right so now, is there similar to search engine optimization? There's, you know, email bot optimization. Are, are new industries going to start to spawn because of this? It's starting. So my next event in February, I host an event series in Silicon Valley, San Francisco called Llama Lounge. Uh, no physical llamas are there. Um, and it's no tied to the llama model from Meta. So just just a clever alliteration. And 10 different AI startups get to demo on the, on the floor. So February event. I'm sure you can guess what the theme is. It's AI agents. There's going to be 10 AI agents uh, demoing on the floor. <clears throat> and um, so the SEO industry, um, search engine optimization and search engine marketing industry and the advertising industry is freaking out. I mean, not to mention New York Times and media companies and politicians and regulars, but they're freaking out because they see that users, consumers are going to websites like ChatGPT or Perplexity, which is growing really quickly to go find and get information on what to buy. And these tools are making recommendations to consumers and to buyers on what they should actually purchase. And it's not clear where their data source is always coming from. It's often a black box. The algorithm's not clear. Not that Google search is <laughs> open source algorithm either. It's not. It's also black box. So we are seeing people trying to figure out how to unwind that. So yeah, that is going to be a whole other industry. So we were talking about this before is, okay, the term agent, AI agent is something that we're starting to hear now in the last couple of months. I mean, we, I mean, AI, generative AI has come around like in the last, what is it now, 14 months, right? Since ChatGPT. Yeah. And then everything has been AI, generative AI, rag, rag, rag all over the place. And then mm -hmm. the last couple of months, I mean, that's my perception now is that we're now hearing more about 
agents. Uh, and agents is a very well-defined thing in artificial intelligence. I mean, the, the kind of the academic, uh, I call this the good old-fashioned AI has been talking about working with agents and systems of planning and so forth. How are we, to, how, how, what's your definition of AI agent? Now you're seeing all these companies talking about agents, you're hosting this thing. What is an AI agent? All right. So you are a data scientist or you are a computer science professional. I am not. Uh, so I come from the business side. So we should actually we should actually discuss and debate openly yeah. for the betterment here of what is an AI agent. Um, and I see my LinkedIn friends like Ethan are here and checking this out. So welcome everybody who's joining in from LinkedIn and, and checking this out. So let's talk about it. So the way I'm seeing the AI agent market um, evolve, there's around 300 AI agent startups um, right now. About 100 of them are in San Francisco, which is truly the cradle of AI. They're mostly here. And most of them are in Shack 15 in the Ferry Building. Uh, and so I, I get, getting to meet the community and talk to them. And an AI agent, I don't think there's a great definition, but essentially it operates autonomously with little human uh, oversight operates autonomously, autonomous, autonomous is the key word, operates autonomously with little human oversight. Right now, the, the best known example is um, um, Agent GBT, which is no relation to OpenAI. And you can demo out that tool and it can do five cycles for you um, at no cost. For example, I did a demo on a speech today and I said, book a trip to Bahamas. And it would say, here's what you need to know. Here's the passport. Here's the airlines available. Here's the hotels. And it started to go through these things and, and simulated booking those things just off one sentence prompt. Now that's in the future, these AI agents, you won't need those prompts as much because it should look in the context in my calendar, in my email, in my social, and know what's going on. And it's operating. And we'll have all these agents, multiple agents around us doing these things, whether it's for personal or for work. Um, for example, Tim, you should have, you will have agents, like you will have account development rep agents that will be reaching out to customers and prospects and, and understanding what they're doing and pinging them. Like I already see many AI agent sales startups emerging that's already happening so mm -hmm. that's an example of that impacting you and i already gave the email agent that would be operating autonomously on my behalf so juan i would love for you to respond retort uh, debate on that definition so i don't think there's much of a debate because I've, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you i think i would extend it more kind of from a technical perspective but i think I, first of all the autonomous is, is clear right you want this it's a, really a computer program that can by itself kind of figure out the steps of what it could do to go solve a problem and it really needs to be able to go perceive from the environment and that's how it knows it needs to go do one thing or the other thing and mm, it should perceive. Be able to do that. so i think that the, the the perception of what's happening in your environment is very very important uh and and that's what can make it seem more intelligent than others right uh so I think that that's I think that's how we're going to start seeing more of the of these types of of how my agent is better than your agent or how we start to they can be more and more intelligent. I think effectively the the the, the term is actually you want to have an intelligent agent, right? Because yeah. you can go create any. I mean, you you can hard code a bunch of if then rules, and that's that can be technically an agent, right? But it only knows that particular world that you defined. Right, but you want one that can be really adapt and change and so forth. And I think that's where I'm really excited about how, uh, what what we're going to be seeing with with all, all these um, with all the AI applications coming out. Uh, mm -hmm. And my 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 caution out there, uh, kind of what I what I'm telling to everybody is, let's not. There, there's so much work that has happened in this space from a computer science perspective for decades and decades. Uh, Let's just learn from our history and and because we need to build on the shoulders of giants and not reinvent the wheel so we can advance faster, right? <laughs> I want to have that email agent as fast as possible, right? Uh, because if we look at it, we've been having spam filters and so forth already, right? We just, and that that in a way is some sort of an agent. It's kind of intelligent, but not anymore, right? We've but it had to be that. trained, right? Off our rules, our business rules, right? Which is yeah. slightly different. I think the difference here, and I love that word that you brought up, perception, perceives, right? That That's right. So it, it can sense. But I think there's one other thing that, that can enable this to happen faster, right? Is that there's a network effect from peer to peer, right? So like, Tim, if you go use an agent to go book a trip to the Bahamas, that data, that click path through United or Virgin Airlines, whatever, uh, and then to Hilton and Marriott, whatever, that, that click path should be recorded. So when Juan needs to book his trip, that click path is already note, noted, right? So, and we should be able to share those things peer to peer. I mean, that's what you guys do, data, right? <laughs> um, oh, 
can can I just pick up all the comments from Ethan? Yes, please, please, yeah. please, please. So Ethan's a smart guy. He's been a digital exec in retail and, and media. I've known him for a long time. So he says, I like the nuance of agency uh, versus agent. I've been using them interchangeably. But I think that's right. The agency is like the, what would you say? The description of like it can the ability to do things. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. That, that, that's an interesting perspective. You're thinking about the agency versus agent. Yeah, it has yeah. agency, like an EA, right? EA mm -hmm. has an executive assistant has, or a personal assistant, right? Has agency to do things within these parameters. Yeah. And that's what well, we're that, And that connects to a little bit of what you said around it's more than just if this, then that. There's one, there's mm -hmm. at least one level of additional choice that you're hoping to empower that makes it go that one step further. Take the perception and then make some decisions around your actions. So. That's interesting. So that, that gives us a little bit more clarity around AI agents and kind of some definitions there. It was interesting to see that both you and Juan were pretty aligned there. Um, you gave one example so far around email, uh, which I think is sort of a broadly applicable communication technology use case that it can apply to both business and personal use. Uh, what what other industries sure. are you really looking at that are like you, you see, especially in 2024, you're going to see a lot of impact as you know AI agents and, and mm -hmm. related technology are adopted? Yeah, so at the February Llama Lounge event in San Francisco that I'll be that I organize. Um, so here's eight of the ten companies that are demo. Um, one is called Agent Lunar, digital workers for small business. Uh, Claros is AI personal shopper agents, shopping agents. Um, commit. Oh, this one's interesting. AI talent agents. So it's for software developers. So what it does is it'll go out there and submit applications for jobs on behalf of a software dev. And, and try to get the interview. <laughs> um, oh, you might like this one. Um, EvaBot, your AI research assistant in sales. So it's going to go get information about your customers and bring it back to you as chief customer officer. Um, Flood, F-L-O-O-D-E, personalized AI EA for daily communication. So that's going to be closer to the what we're talking about, an email agent for social. And then InstaLily, autonomous AI agents with human level productivity. Oh, that's not very descriptive. Well, anyway, so that's a that's just a sample of, and there was one that's um, AI agents ops. And that one is run by Alex, who's a leader in the space called Agent Ops. So it's agent benchmarking, testing, and compliance. So it's, it's a developer tool. So there's kind of like the ecosystem that I'm seeing that's coming around. And there's like 10 others that I'm reviewing. Um, but I think these ones are interesting for the demos. That's super fascinating. You know, and one thing this triggers for me, and I'm, I'm curious about, Jeremiah, your, your thoughts on this is... Um, you know, I've noticed that even within data.world, we've started to leverage, you know, chat GPT uh, apps and things like that to create tailored prompts and sort of mini applications around different use cases. And so for one example is like uh, one of the things that you mentioned was around like a research assistant for sales. So actually yeah. one of them that we've created internally is like a research assistant for our BDR team. Um, and I'm so I'm a little curious from your perspective, like there's one direction which is more like you know, startups and, you know, companies creating services that use AI for specific use cases. And then there's more like general purpose AI for, you know, trying to maybe you tailor it, do a little bit of prompt engineering to get certain use cases. Do you see that, you know, specialization is going to take off, generalization is going to take off, or is it both? They're for different purposes. Yeah, different purposes. So a diagram that I made, and anybody can go out and search there, or we can put it in the show notes, is called the AI tech stack. And I built it with my colleagues at Blitzscaling Ventures, Chris Ye, uh, former uh, Stanford instructor who did the, the class with Reed Hoffman, Blitzscaling. I, I work at Blitzscaling Ventures. I got feedback from Stanford, Google, and AWS on it. Um, I'll cut to the the short of it. There, there's on one, one line of the stack, and by the way, my background was a Forrester industry analyst and then Altimeter as co-founder as an industry analyst. So mapping markets is what I do. It's just naturally like in my DNA. So foundational models, like Anthropic, OpenAI, Inflection, uh, you know, Claude and um, Llama, those are horizontal. So that's wide, broad AI, right? And then on top of that, there's two categories of software that I see at the app layers, which is AI apps. And most of those are narrow AI. And I'll get back to that in a sec. And then the emerging categories, AI agents, which we've already discussed. So it, to answer your question, Tim, in, the, in that category, AI apps, they will be narrow for the time being. And I do speak to the foundational model product teams and they're not gonna be doing narrow. Uh, in fact, they said they're not gonna be like 
de detail connecting into CRM systems and, and interconnecting ERP. That's not their job. That's not what they want to do. So that's an opportunity for other players to do that. And another reason why we will see a majority of these AI apps be narrow with specific tasks is because they need to have enterprise contracts legally to get access to proprietary data. And, and then they got to train off that data and it's going to be fine tuned and it's got to be, it's got to be in a co-location center or it's got to be a secure cloud or a private cloud. So that's why we'll see more of those examples of narrow in that case. Last thing, this market is growing so fast that, that this could change. Today, uh, January, 2024, there's 11,000 AI projects. It, when I was tracking this market, that website called there's an AI for that.com in March, there was 3000. So that's 1000 new AI projects per month birthing. And I got to figure out who's who, cause I'm going to fund them. <laughs> so it's, it's a, I need an AI agent to help me figure out who's going to make it. <laughs> this is an explosion. <laughs> yeah. So I gave you a lot of information like at a market highlight like i wanted to give you the market overview there tim was that helpful yeah no that's very helpful and i think you have a pretty good um uh, article that you've posted right around the ai technology stack which kind of has a nice diagram and it kind of yes, shows sir. off this this layering right thank you yeah i really like this just if we go over it so it's like it's the data layer you have at the bottom yeah we'll um, talk about it yeah, let's go. I mean, let me describe it here. So you have the data layer, then you have the AI infrastructure, the AI models, the foundational models, and then you have both on top, the AI apps, you know, autonomous agents. I would love if you can kind of like, let's walk through this because this was one of the things I saw, or, I mean, it was like almost a year ago. And I really, really loved this when I saw it the first time. Thank you, Juan. That's kind. Uh, so yes, I love to chart markets. I did this to so the sharing economy, Web2, and so AI is, you know, it's just natural. Um, so at the very bottom, and I know you will appreciate this, the most important layer is the data layer, and that's critical. Um, I mean, without that, you have nothing, right? It's like it's like the oil. It's like the gold. It's like it's everything. You need the data. Otherwise, you have nothing to train on. Um, and then if you don't have the data or access to proprietary or exclusive data, then you have a GPT wrapper. Uh, we're not talking about hip hop. I'm talking about a, an AI startup that has no defensibility because it, you know th the next iteration of a foundational model will run you over. So getting access to exclusive data or creating synthetic data that becomes a product. Synthetic data is the, the, the any image that's created by AI, any output from AI, that's called synthetic data. And that in its own right is turning into a product. For example, Getty Images last week said they're gonna allow people to purchase generative AI art, right? So they've developed a new business model for synthetic data. Mm. All right, so that's layer one, synthetic uh, data layer. Layer two on top of that is AI infrastructure. So this could be machine learning ops, this could be um, this could be security, it could be web hosting, could be uh, the big one is chips. Right now there's a seven month wait on NVIDIA chips and the price could be $200,000 for some chips. It's just the extreme bottleneck right now. Um, the next level on top of that is the AI models, which we just discussed. Think of them as operating systems. So like OpenAI, Anthropic, uh, Inflection, um, and beyond. Mistral out of France that just is, mm -hmm. got funded last month. And then on top of that is AI apps and then AI agents as we discussed. So that's the AI tech stack. And if I if I, if I get this correctly, you're, is the argument that the AI apps, it's, it's very narrow and this is something that you're, it's, it's not, I mean, between, it's basically gonna be a competition between AI apps and AI agents and the AI agents are gonna win here? Cooperative, definitely not competition because okay. the the narrow AI apps will have access to, in many cases, access to exclusive data, but they use the OpenAI chat GPT APIs in order to create that friendly chat interface. So it, it's combining all those things together. So it's not in competition. It's mostly cooperative. All right. So I, I wanted to take, talking about this whole conversation about uh, agents and stuff, I, um, I'm i going to read something here. I just want to kind of get your perception. Then we'll kind of, I'll tell you where it came from. So it, it's from an article and says, the entertainment system was belting out the Beatles. We can work it out when the phone rang. When Pete answered, his phone turned the sound down by sending a message to all the other local devices that have the volume control. His sister, Lucy, was on the line from the doctor's office. He says, mom needs to see a specialist and then has to have a series of physical therapy sessions bi-weekly or something. I'm going to have a, my agent set up an appointment. Pete immediately agreed to, to share the chauffeuring. At the doctor's office, Lucy instructed her agent through her 
through her app or browser, the agent promptly retrieved information from the prescribed treatment from the doctor's agent, looked up several providers and checked for one of the implants for mom's insurance within 20 mile radius of her home with the rating of excellent or very good. And it'll continue. This is the vision that, uh, this is that agent vision, right? You have all these little agents going around understanding the perception around things. Um, and what I'm reading was is actually the start of the semantic web article from the Scientific American uh, article from 2001. And uh -huh. what I find fascinating is that the, this is my academic background. I come from the semantic web space where we've been thinking about this stuff for 25 years or more. And, and, and this is why I'm super excited about how the conversation of ages comes in because this is what we've been kind of heading towards right now. And I think the, all these foundational models, these, these large language models are, are make, helping to make this possible. But again, that's why my emphasis of like, there's, we've been working at this for decades and decades. Um, anyways, I just, just wanted to throw that out. I love that. I, I would advance that scenario, that use case, like if a mature AI agent was there, then it would have proactively booked those medical appointments and calls and already had that information surface. So that level of proactiveness is what, I mean, as by the way, this is key. And I think you'll understand, grip this. AI agents are like the, the in-between step towards AGI, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like we're we're training all these narrow AI agents to do specific tasks, which will then train an AGI to replicate all human capabilities. Right. So you can see where this lineage is going. Yeah. So um, we, we've talked a lot about agents and you've already mentioned a lot of kind of different tools and things, that, companies that you're tracking. Um, I'd love for you to, you see so much stuff out of the 11,000 products. What are the types of kind of companies, startups or things that they're doing that are really going to change like really disrupt things and the one i want to bring up here and i've seen you talk about it is is like things like perplexity and and things like search is going to really change yeah yeah so i'm kind of like please uh, tell us more of what you're seeing and and, and how do sure. you going to change this here so i do not have a financial relationship with perplexity i'll i'll um disclose when i do have one with a company so perplexity.ai everybody go open a browser tab right now everybody if you're listening like obviously pull over like if you're riding a bike or skateboarding or skiing um, but when you get a chance go to perplexity.ai and do a search query that you would normally do in google search like try it out guys juan tim do it yeah um, okay so i'm gonna do one what are the best rest oh look what are the um, what are the best SUVs for three kids? Okay, so let's see what it says for me, and I'll verbally articulate what I'm seeing. So at the top it shows the query: what are the best SUVs for three kids? And then at the top it shows four boxes with the sources: U.S. News, Safe in the Seat, U.S. News, and uh, Reddit, and Motor Trends. And on the right, there's a couple images. And then it gives me the answer. It lists this, the companies, I'm sorry, the, the cars, the vehicles, Honda Pilot, Chevy Suburban, Ford Expedition, and nine more. And then it gives other prompts at the bottom suggesting pros and cons of these SUVs. Now, guys, this is scaring Google to bits. Look, there's no ads on this. Mm -hmm. And all the answers for all these sites are not on some, I don't have to go to a, a search engine results page try to figure out which website to go to, click it, get stuck in more ads, and then get retargeted by Chevy and, and, and Honda. All the answers are right there on the page and summarized using generative AI. This is extremely disruptive. Okay, what did you what did you see? Tell us. So I so I did I did something similar. I was thinking about this. I have my 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 question was I have two babies. Should I get an should I get a minivan or an SUV? And it gives me the whole minivan SUVs and it gives me the same prompt. But what's interesting is that I put that exact same in Google. And what Google gives me back is actually the first link is a Reddit link, is oh. a link to Reddit, which is the same thing that perplexly kind of showed in there. Yeah. But if I go through the results of Google, it is the what I call the old school 10 blue links. Yeah. doesn't tell me anything more. Like I don't even get that knowledge panel. I, I lack that contextual information. Yep. Um, so it kind of it just brought me back to how I was seeing search. So I, I, this is something I'm really really interested about. How uh, by the end of the year, some like this is going to be really scary for Google. It is, Tim. What did you see? And then I'll make some comments. Yeah, sure. So I uh, I also just riffed on what you said. So I asked about like a you know, what's the best car to buy 
uh, if you have four kids and it's luxury, high luxury. And so it gave me a bunch of uh, recommendations on different things. Mm -hmm. Any um, ads show up? No, no ads for me. Just pictures, some related links and things like that. So no, mm -hmm. it's pure, pretty much pure sort of answer and context. Yeah. So this is really interesting to see, right? So the relationship between the user and the website perplexity is a positive one where it's serving the user. When you use Google search, it's actually serving advertisers because it puts advertisers in between you and the answers because that's how Google makes the majority of their money. Listen, I'm not going to poo on anybody's, you know, pinata here, but like I get that's how they make money. But but the old ways are going to get disrupted by AI. So that's one exciting example. And last week, Perplexity raised, I think, uh, what, 50 million at a valuation mm -hmm. of 500M, um, including their lead investor is Jeff Bezos. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So if you were Sergi at Google and he went back to work because AI is disrupting Google, you got to be really worried. Yeah. Big companies are having to uh, make big changes. I know that when I'm using Google now, I get my generative AI sort of beta clip in there, but obviously it's side by side with all my, my 10 uh, usual blue links. So, yeah. So most of the AI leaders that I know no longer use Google search, they use perplexity. So if that's an indicator of early adopters and how perplexity will be integrated into other AI apps instead of Google, like this is pretty serious. This is going to be a pretty big, uh, sea change. Uh, the only downside for me is I live kind of near Google, so it may cause my real estate property value to go down. Property <laughs> <sighs> tax, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the benefit. Less tax, which I was bitching about earlier. <laughs> um, you know, one thing I wonder, uh, you know, as we make these kinds of major shifts, which are very certain to happen over that, we don't know exactly how they're going to happen, but it, it's certain that big changes, shifts in power are going to happen. Uh, in companies and in services over the next few years here. Um, you know, one of the things that I find interesting with something like perplexity is it's getting you very fast to the answer. And there's a lot of the, um, I'll call it like the middleman that the internet is today, right? There's a lot of content farms and creating news sites and blogs and things like that. And you're trying to play the SEO and the SEM game and things like that. There's a lot there in a world where you're just going straight to the answer, the, the dynamics of that changes a lot, right? And what it means to, like, if I'm a company who wants to advertise, am I paying money to, you know, try to get my facts elevated in, you know, the chatbot and things like that? Do, do you have any thoughts on how the dynamics of the sort of internet marketplace evolve? So that, that will happen. At some point, we will see sponsored sentences. Mm. <laughs> Mm. Hey Juan, um, here's your search result on ChatGPT or Perplexity or Claude or whatever. Uh, the best SUVs are. Da, da, da. By the way, Chevy has a you know recommendation for the um, Tahoe, and you can get free X for this, right? I mean, it, it you we can't imagine that the trillion dollar Google revenue line, which is advertisers, the advertisers are going to give money. They will pay to get their ads in front of consumers, wherever it is. They don't care if it's Google or Facebook, right? The CMO doesn't care. Yes, search engine marketing professionals care because they're about right. to get disrupted. But um, CMO doesn't care. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one example. Have you guys tried Pi? No. No, that one I haven't. I've All been right. using Perplexity. Perplexity I've been starting to use a lot. Can we do a live demo? We can have a conversation. Yes. All right. So Pi is, uh, stands for personal intelligence. And it's created by the foundational model, the company called Inflection AI. Inflection AI. Now, I have a, I have a relationship with um, Inflection AI because their co-founder is Reid Hoffman, who is an advisor to our firm, Blitzscaling Ventures. The book Blitzscaling is written by Reid Hoffman, and Reid is an LP in our firm. So I have ties to Reid Hoffman and, and this team. So I'm favorable towards this. Now, Pi is an, it's a free app. You can download it. Here it is. You can see it if it's on the live stream. And I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to have a conversation. Okay. It's going to be a voice conversation. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the fourth person's entering the chat. Here we go. Hey, Pi. I'm with my friend Juan and Tim. Can you explain in one sentence what you are? Sure. I'm an AI powered language model that provides personalized assistance, information, and conversation through natural language interactions. 
Hey, Pi, um, which NFL team is doing the best right now? Right now, the Buffalo Bills are doing exceptionally well with 11 wins and six losses this season. They've won their last five games and are sitting at the top of the standings in their division. It's looking like they could be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. Hey, um, I want to switch gears. I'm feeling kind of sad. I just found out that my dog was hit by a car and he may die. Oh, no, Jeremiah. I'm so sorry to hear that your dog was hit by a car. That's incredibly heartbreaking news. I can understand why you'd be feeling sad and worried. It's a difficult situation to be in. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what happened? Yeah, maybe later. Um, my last question is, if I have three kids, what's the best SUV I should buy? If you have three kids, you'll want a vehicle that's both spacious and reliable. Here are a few options to consider. Kia Telluride. This midsize SUV has a roomy interior, lots of standard features, and a smooth ride. Volkswagen Atlas. All right, you get a good sense of it. All right, what'd you guys think? What'd you observe? Um, my immediate reaction, and this is, is my, we started this conversation saying the point of AI is to be more be humans again. And I have didn't have that impression of I wanted, I'm, I'm not being that much of a human because I'm talking to a machine. Uh, that was my immediate reaction. It's like, wow, am I, we want to be humans again, but then we're going to end up talking to the computer and we're not going to be that human. That was my immediate reaction. Now, that aside, this was freaking cool, awesome to go see this. And especially because of like the, 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 the it gives you a little bit of that human nature too, right? That kind of seemed like if you were talking to a human on the other side, but then in reality, you aren't. Um, so I, I have a little bit of an interesting conflict there. Um, what, that's me, and I wonder what the next generation is is feeling about this too. I think it's also a generational issue too. Right. Yeah. It's kind of it reminds me of like uh, you know the, the older generation sees like the Instagram generation and is like I don't really understand, right? And the Instagram generation is looking at the TikTokers and like I don't really understand, right? So there's a, there's a degree <laughs> of that that I think might be happening. But I, I have just a lot of curiosity about it. Like for example, when it told you you know Buffalo Bills, so the Buffalo Bills don't have the best record. So I'm kind of curious now. Like, well, why did it choose the Bills? Is there something about you or the context of the situation that led it to say that so i don't I know it's no one idea. of curiosity and excitement i don't really talk about football to it so i don't think it had that context so mm -hmm. that's is that old data that's wrong then huh no it's it's uh, they have a lot of what's interesting is they have a lot of momentum even though i would the baltimore ravens have the best record so i don't know it's just interesting it's curious hmm. what did you notice about the the interaction uh the the fact that it seemed like it was persistent right so it's kind of like you know, there's a there's a person in the room with you, listening to you, having a conversation with you versus, you know, something that I would compare this to. And Juan, I don't know if this was kind of similar for you. Right. I, I have Alexa all over my house. Right. And I and I try to have conversations with Alexa, but it's not always the the most seamless kind of thing. It seemed like you were having a much more seamless conversation. Yeah, I think that that's that's it is is today the. What you, the existing voice agent type of stuff is like a one way, like, here's a command, do this thing for me. And that's it. Right. I have a question. I get an answer and I'm done. Uh, but I think what the, the evolution of where this is going is that it's going to be that more fluid and more kind of a seamless conversation. It's going to be like more of that human conversation. I think that's also something uh, thinking about like all these chat bots and like stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm working work stuff that I'm working in, in our lab is that we want to have these chat with the data. Uh, people want to go interact and talk with all their data. And I think the way we're setting things up because of how we've just done it in the past is here's a question and I want the answer. And 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 the question is very specific. And, they, and now you're assuming that humans will come in with a very specific question, which sometimes they do have that. But a lot of the times they're like, well, I'm kind of thinking about this and like I'm, I want to have that conversation go back and forth. And in reality, you may not, you can't, you can't and you shouldn't even expect that the, when you get a question back, you're immediately going to get an answer. Because if you're talking to somebody, they're like, wait, what did you mean by that? Give me more context. And you have a back and forth and then you figure out, oh, rephrase that. Did I understand it correctly? So I think 
the the way how these agents are going to be evolving and if it really kind of interacts with how kind of maps to how we're doing things between humans is that it will not be just a one shot in and out it's going to go it's going to be a lot of go back and forth and have that kind of a very fluid right. conversation that's and i right. think that's what i saw and, that, and i and, and that's what you i felt from this conversation is that it's it, it, it was fluid right yeah and there's people like adam helsinger said pi has the best eq over, over the other ones and jacob um alfaro said it had empathy empathy so, yeah, so the, I asked four distinct questions in sequence for a reason. So I wanted to demonstrate the capabilities. Uh, so first was, what are you? Is like self-awareness. And I, I said your names. I was hoping it was going to repeat it back, but it didn't. So it that's sometimes it says hi to Tim and Juan in the room. It sometimes mm -hmm. does that. The second one was testing real-time data um, on like sports data. And that's because in our pre-chat, you said you were talking about football, right? I think. So by the way, the Bills are number two in AFC, but they're far from the, the Cowboys. 25. Right. <laughs> uh, but they they are highly ranked so it was technically factually correct but that was not the leader um and then the third one as i said my dog got hurt right you know and if you notice that the tone yeah right, paused and it changed the tonality like i don't know of any other ai systems that can change the tone and voice and then it said do you want to talk about it do you want to talk about it that's that's a big no no, no other tools are doing that yeah. And then lastly was product recommendations, which goes back to like the prior discussion to commerce. So between those four questions, I wanted to show the breadth and width of like how the, the latest technology. Now, just so you know, that inflection, they've raised over a billion dollars and the two co-founders are Mustafa from DeepMind. You know, they created Go and Reid Hoffman, who's on the board of Microsoft, LinkedIn, one of the major investors at OpenAI. It's like that's those that's the team, and their their top investor is Bill Gates, Eric Schmidt, and Nvidia. And so Nvidia, um, in part of the deal, they gave them twenty two thousand H one hundred chips. So it's one of the largest supercomputers in the world right now. Wow! And that's what what we just demoed is version two of their foundational model. So just imagine what version five or version ten is going to look like. Like we, I don't think we're going to be able to distinguish it from a human. No, that that that's true. And I always the reminders like this. This I have an iPhone right here, and this is what version fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And maturity this, felt like version twelve, right? This this is like like we have to realize and like if you're not people are not impressed. Some people are not impressed. Like okay, don't worry about it. It's shit's going to get better and better and better. At some point, it's like it's going to be so human like, right? So I think that's like so. Pi stands for personal intelligence. So you guys, I think, are around my age, right? I think you're like, so you guys know Star Trek Next Generation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Microsoft invested in OpenAI and Inflection. And so the best reason why you think they do both is what I think is um, OpenAI is like the enterprise ship computer. Mm -hmm. And Inflection, Pi, is Data, the Android, who eventually yeah. develops real feelings. So they invested in both. Yeah. So get ready. Like you want to have an emotional conversation with your data, Juan, with your customer's data. Like that could happen. Cause I, I know you guys have clients that are B2C or healthcare where it isn't, it, the data is an emotional story. It, it is a personal story, right? Mm -hmm. So like I can imagine personal AIs interacting with your data. That's a really good point. And I, I, I'll say that, uh, you know, as all of this AI advancement has been happening and the chat interfaces, the natural language conversations, um, I, I and I know many others go to that analogy of the computer talking to the computer. Right. I think that's probably the more often used analogy, but it, it we forget about data. Data is a computer, too. He's a computer with legs who, you know, initially, you know, you know, an Android. Yeah. And and uh, and he's and initially, he's, you know, trying to mimic emotions. And, and you know, for those who watch Star Trek, know how that evolves over time. Right. Um, and and he's also uh, an AI. And both of these paradigms are useful, but for different reasons. Yes. Great. So, yes, you guys know me. I talked to the young Gen Z AI founders. I'm like, yeah, it's like ship computer and data. They're like. <laughs> what are you talking about, Grandpa? <laughs> I'm not even fifty. Them, you got some good TV. You got to watch. Yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, before we kind of start to hit, you know, some of our lightning round and some of our final questions here, uh, or final wrap up here, uh, one one sort of final question for you, uh, Jeremiah, is what do you think is the 
net impact of this on the job market over the next couple of years here? You know, there's a lot of people that are fearful of AI taking their jobs away in one respect, but in another respect, creating new jobs, you know, amplifying the, 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 the ability of what a person can deliver and do, you know, making a person more important than ever. You know, do you have a take on kind of the impact this is going to have on the economy and the job market? Oh, that's a loaded question. So I met with some federal um, people from the government. Can't can't say which uh, cabinet group that is, but yeah, they're obviously watching this. Um, there's no question. There, I see things. There's three three different things are going to happen for sure. One, people's jobs will be lost because any task that's repetitive done digitally will be automated. Period. So some tasks and jobs will be lost. Um, two, some brand new roles will be created. Like look at, there's 11,000 AI startups. That's mm -hmm. all new jobs. But here's the, the downside. They, they're not going to hire that many people. Mm -hmm. It's not going to fulfill that aspect. And then the third aspect is um, we will definitely see every single job, 99% of jobs will be augmented and impacted by AI. The only jobs that will not be impacted by AI if they're not connected digitally in any way. Um, so uh, for example, people say plumbers won't be impacted. Oh yes, they will They're big time. So they will use, um, startups like productive AI where a, per, where a plumber could use that app. It's an, it'll listen in conversations and book and schedule on phone calls. They will use augmented reality. They will order parts, um, using VR. Um, and of course every homeowner can use AR and AI to solve level one plumbing issues. I, I'm no plumber, but I can use YouTube already. Mm -hmm. Why not can I use AR? Uh, so even plumbers, trades will be impacted by AI. Nobody's immune unless you are a hermit. Um, and so to answer your specific question on the economy, um, it, it's, it's pretty clear to me that we will need to have to change the economic distribution system, which is just such a tough topic to discuss. And, and you're a Texan and I'm a Californian. We can have a pretty hearty battle on this topic. Um, but it, it's very clear that there, there could be inequities if we don't address this. Um, and not everybody's going to be able to keep up with this. And AI is moving at an exponential rate. So I'm expecting that I don't think it's this president or the next one that will address this. But a form of UBI, universal basic income, or heavier taxation to uh, big corporations that use AI. Like, I think it, these things might start to happen. Um, it, it's really hard to tell. I'm not sure exactly which way. On the other end, we might see that every single worker just might become super productive and everybody keeps their jobs. Um, so there's just another scenario on that. The last thing is this. Will every single role, even entry-level roles, be uh, replaced by AI? I don't think so, because just from a pure economic standpoint, if many people lose their jobs, we'll have more workers. So we would technically have more customer care folks, more junior sales ADRs, more uh, waiters and waitresses available, just a surplus of workers. So therefore, it's it's not as expensive to hire them. And so there will be those workers, which will result in an interesting economic twist. And then I'll land the plane here, is that we will see human um, premium, uh, premium on a humanity for service and sales and customer care will actually rise to the top because people are going to be willing to pay for that instead of dealing with an AI agent. Mm -hmm. So a, a long answer, because I, I think about all these permutations and scenarios, um, and I'm not really sure which one will land on. It's probably all. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of second, third, fourth uh, order effects that are going to happen exactly. from all of this, including, you know, I think about when the pandemic happened. Right. And, you know, everybody was hopping on Zoom and the immediate you know, assumption was, well, now it's all going to be remote. But then what it did is it put a premium on in-person uh, interaction. And, you know, you have the most popular travel season ever and the most popular uh, conferences ever. Right. So it's really hard to predict how all these things connect to each other. Right. Which has its own third order effects after that. Right. Yeah. And yes, exactly all that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no, this is this is awesome. What a what an exciting way to think about the future and, and all the possibilities here. Thanks. Yeah. No. Th thank you so much. I think this is a uh, that this is a great way to kind of start wrapping up. I think cool. These are the these are the discussions, the hard discussions we need to start having more. And and it's interesting that you say that that not this president. I mean, probably eight years from now or whatever. Well, this is where it's going to be a, on the top of the of everybody's conversation. I think that's right. Eight years. Yeah. Eight years. All right. Well, let's go into our lightning round questions. And so I'll go with the first one here. Uh, foundational models require so much investment. Google, Microsoft, Amazon have big incumbent advantages because of the dollar requirements. Is yeah. that a problem for AI startups? 
Yeah, it is. And also, yeah, so our, the rumor is it's 500 million to train open AI. Um, so yes, it is a problem and it means they will be the dominant winners. And so we're not sure if the AI startups can sustain over that. So that is, that is true unless they have access to exclusive data. Mm. So that puts a premium on the data. Interesting. Um, second lightning round question for you. So in 2024, so kind of looking at the short term here, will AI agents most heavily be adopted by companies or are you betting more on personal use in terms of the biggest wave of growth here? Um, I think the first adopter, as far as I can see by the how they're targeting right now, it will be on solopreneurs, like a one-person company, TikTok stars, plumbers, um, fitness coaches, um, therapists. They need support staff. They can't find them. They can't hire them. They don't have enough money. So they're, they'll be the first to adopt. And then from there, small business. Mm. Uh, by the way, large, large companies, they can afford to hire more people. So they that don't is. need the AI agent for this use case. Yeah, the incremental value is different. That's super fascinating. That's an excellent, excellent insight. I didn't think about it that way. Mm. All right. Next question. If you could pick one industry to be most positively impacted in 2024 by AI, which one would you choose? Healthcare yeah. or something? Yeah, that's it. it. It is definitely healthcare. Okay. Uh, Americans' health is on decline. We have the highest rate of anxiety and depression ever recorded since psychologists have been recording in our society. And for the first time, yet also due to COVID, like the American life expectancy has dropped like the wealthiest nation in the world, like that should not be happening. So obviously there's systemic issues, institutional issues, regulatory issues, but AI can help with that to decipher our data, to understand our bodies and our minds better. Um, so we can live a better, longer, healthier lifespan and health span. Uh, that is in key. I'm, I'm very uh, hopeful and optimistic about that. I think there's so much potential there. Um, Last question for you on the, uh, the the lightning round is you, you mentioned, you know, plumbers as like an example of something people think might be unaffected. And then you came up with so many reasons why it's going to be affected, you know, so many different ways. Um, is there truly an unaffected job around AI? They have to be digitally non-connected, um, but they'd have to be digitally non-connected by like two orders, right? Because if they have their supply chain, like they get any of their resources, food or information through digital in any form or they sell anything that eventually goes to somebody who uses the internet then they would be affected so who would that be it would be a remote farmer um in the woods that is only building for a homestead for his or her family hmm. can, even i mean can you think benefit. it's just maybe they yeah. don't have the technology right <laughs> i mean can you think of an example i, I really can't I'm really struggling to figure it out. I yeah, was, I, I was mean, hoping maybe you had one in your hat you could pull out, but yeah. Yeah, whether <laughs> I mean, whether it's direct or indirect, they will be impacted by AI because the supply and demand and even global supply chain will be impacted by AI. So even if you don't work with tech, but you rely on a supply chain that is using digital, which is every supply chain, <laughs> unless it's a farmer's market in a village. I mean, that's really it. Yeah, you 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 live autonomously in yeah. the middle of nowhere. If you're unconnected, then you will not be impacted by AI. That feels marginal enough. The answer is basically no. Every, everything will be impacted by AI. Yeah, yeah. And anybody who is that remote, unless it's by design, like for example, Africa, they want to be online really bad, and they're using satellite-based Wi-Fi to get connected. And now they're going to have Pi. They're going to have inflection. They're going to have GPT. And their societies are going to boom because of AI, because they can rise to develop world within one generation so using AI. It's really going to be phenomenal what we're going to see. Yeah. The AI native generation. Yeah. They're going to come in fresh enough to deal with uh, emails and stuff like that. Yeah. They can design something better than email inboxes. They'll figure yeah. out something better. Well, then to close the loop here, uh, Tim, take us away with takeaways. We got a bunch of yes. stuff here. We're taking notes on. So we started off by asking you, you know, honest, no BS. How is AI going to impact us this year? Um, and throughout this conversation, you've come up with 
you know, really incredible and impactful ways across industries, across use cases where AI is going to have a huge impact. Uh, and the technology that's going to lead us there is innovating really quickly, including some live demos that you did today. Um, and the sort of the number one first example that you gave of something that's going to be something that happens in 2024, one of your bets here is that we're going to get to uh, email inbox zero. And it's not just going to be from us spending all those hours at 10 p.m. trying to get to inbox zero. It's, uh, it's going to be uh, leveraging AI and AI agents and AI services to, uh, to do things like review, summarize, reply automatically, this sort of you know AI agent becoming your EA, it's going to let us be humans again. And I think that's a really great example and microcosm of how this is going to apply to so many different industries, services, technologies, uh, and to not just make things easier, but hopefully help us become more human, right? And we can hopefully uh, really capture the best part of what this is going to do for us and all these new industries and things that are going to spawn out of it. You mentioned uh, AI agents as a really important aspect here. And we talked a little bit about the definitions around that. You said uh, AI agents operate autonomously with little human oversight. Uh, Juan, you agreed and said, yeah, yes, autonomous, uh, that's a key thing, but also the perception, uh, the perception and the sensing making that, that's kind of what allows it to be intelligent. Um, and so I think that was a, a really great definition that we aligned on around that. Uh, Jeremiah, you also mentioned a bunch of different startups and services, ones that you interact with and are exposed to, a couple that we showed off today. Um, and some of these companies are things like shopping agents, AI talent uh, agents that will submit uh, you know, applications for jobs for you, helping you get a job, research assistants, um, uh, email assistants, uh, AI ops, agent ops. I mean, there's so many different types of services that are being spawned here. You mentioned over 11,000 AI projects where in March there were just 3,000. It's 1,000 new ones every month. This is really a Cambrian explosion of innovation right now. Uh, and it's super exciting. Obviously not all of these services are gonna bloom and blossom, right? But this is like the point where we're trying things, experimentation is happening, and so much is gonna evolve over the next couple of years here. It's truly, truly exciting. Um, and uh, before I pass it to Juan for his takeaways, I asked a little bit about sort of broad AI versus narrow AI, which of those is gonna kind of win out. And I think you very astutely mentioned that they're kind of they're 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 both valuable and they're both a little different. Uh, and and you talked about your AI technology stack and how they both kind of fit into that. And so I'll use that as a transition to pass it over to you, Juan, for kind of your takeaways. Yeah, I think that AI technology stack, the article you have, is 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 a very critical one. I hope everybody who's listening can go find that right now. The the, the most important layer we've talked about is the data layer, right? It's like gold critical. Without the data, you have nothing but just a GPT wrapper, which and the next iteration, the foundation model will just take it over, right? So uh, what's interesting also about the data, you have like synthetic data, and, and that's actually going to get bigger because right now that's that synthetic data being the output of AI, Getty Images, right? You can now buy, uh, they're selling out synthetic data. So that's going to be the next thing there. There's a whole AI infrastructure, like AI ops, security, hosting the chips. And then you're going to have on top of that, the AI, uh, you have the AI models, like Anthropic, OpenAI. And then we have the apps and the agents, which are going to be working together around that. And I love that we went and talked about these, like these go do demos. So we did look through perplexity. I think that's a very, very popular one. It's interesting. I like how you say it's serving the user while Google is really serving the advertiser. Uh, and hey, the AI leaders right now, the early adopters, they're using perplexity and kind of not using Google anymore. Uh, I like how you said we're going to see, but we're still going to probably see sponsored sentences. Uh, we went through this demo of pi.ai, and I think uh, it's an emotional conversation. And, and we, you went through four things. It's self-aware. You can talk about real-time facts. It's empathetic. And you even talk about product recommendations. And I think this whole notion of having a, a personal AI interacting with your data. And we wrapped up the conversation today with like jobs, right? Uh, will they, how will they be lost? And effectively, any digital rep repetitive tasks will be replaced. All jobs will be augmented. Even plumbers, we've talked about this already. Um, there is going to be an, a change in economic distribution. So we need to have these conversations. So there will be some form of UBI. And uh, that's a conversation that are probably, it's going to be eight years from now. It's going to be the top, a uh, big topic at the presidential level. And uh, people will people will play, pay a premium on humanity. I like that. Pay more to deal with humans instead of AI. Um, 
How did we do? What did we miss? Well, I'm canceling my uh, GPT subscription because you guys are definitely pros at summarizing unstructured data. Thank you. <laughs> well, as always, we say like, this is you. This was all you. So thank you so much because mm -hmm. these takeaways is all from you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having uh, me, guys. Just to wrap up quickly, uh, we always ask people, what's your advice? Who should we invite next? And uh, what resources do you follow? People, conferences, blogs, or podcasts, whatever. Oh my God. Um, what advice? Um, do not fall behind on AI. I have young kids and with my supervision, we're using these tools because I want them to be AI natives. And, and I, I need you all who are listening. I know you are, if you're listening to this advanced podcast, you are leading into it for personal, family, career, health. Like don't fall behind on this one. This one is a big one. Who else should you have on this um, podcast? I would suggest um, two of my business partners. One is my current one, Chris Yeh, who wrote Blitzscaling with Reid Hoffman on how do companies grow using data. And then Charlene Lee, who focuses on AI and leadership uh, and who was a, was the founder at Altimeter Group, which I was co-founder of, also Forrester. I would recommend them. And what's your third one? What resources do you follow? Yeah, um, there's one of the best newsletters. There's two out there in the AI space. One is called the Near Neuron, Neuron, like brain neuron. And another one is called Synthedia by Brett Kinsella. And if you subscribe just to those two newsletters daily, you will be up to speed on AI. I, I think I really mean that those two, like you should have enough info on like real time. That's awesome. excellent. Jeremiah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. Just quick reminder, next week we have Samia Rahman, who's a director of enterprise data strategy at CGen. We're going to be discussing governance, mesh AI, knowledge graphs and everything. Uh, and with that, thank you so much. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I'm looking Cheers, forward to, to how much we're advancing this year and chat, uh, keep conversation going and see what's going to happen next year when we chat mm -hmm. again. Thanks, guys. Say hi to Brett for me. Will do. Bye.